0: You can always catch up on Mike's teaching on our website at ccmit.org. We're currently going through the book of Luke in a series titled, The Uncommon Gospel. So grab your Bible, turn up the volume, and follow along with us. Here's Pastor Mike.
1: Welcome to Calvary Chapel. We're so glad you're here this morning. We'll get right to it. Get your Bibles out and turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verse 18 through 35, for a message titled, Doubt. Doubt hmm. there are things in life that we doubt sometimes when I do weddings for young couples new newly you know never married before, just you know, maybe teenagers or early 20s and I do a wedding for them, a lot of times I'll, I'll say something along the lines of, you know, this is the moment you guys have been preparing for and waiting for and it's finally arrived. It's so exciting. And, and then I say, but nobody more than you, and I look at the bride, you've been planning this moment from the time you were five years old, anticipating it, you know, playing with dolls and playing with friends and doing the wedding thing and imagining what it was going to be like in your mind. And now that fairy tale dream has finally come true. And then I look at the guy and he say, except for you, you only really thought about the implications of this moment about five minutes ago. (laughs) When you came up here in front of all of your friends and relatives and realized, oh my goodness, you know, there's some seriousness to this. It's funny because when I do weddings for young people, I don't know that I've ever seen a young bride cry because she's rehearsed it so many times. It's like nothing's about surprise. But the men, they cry. It's funny (laughs) to watch them cry. But you know, it's, it's interesting because I remember when I was married and w- when I got married, they did the worst thing they could possibly do to a groom. They sent me to the basement in Calvary Chapel Pocatello to sit by myself. Not a good thing. And I'm sitting down there and I'm thinking, what am I doing? Like, I'd never thought about it before, but I'm like, what am I doing? And it's not that I didn't want to marry Shannon. I absolutely wanted to do that. But there was 400 people upstairs. And I was like, I have to go up there and stand in front of all those people. And I am going to pass out. Not only that, but how am I going to provide for her? How am I going to be a husband? I mean, just, I was just thinking through all this for the first time, really. And I was just like, ah. Oh. But then when I saw her, all that vanished, right? And I was like, oh, that's why I'm doing this, right? And it's not that way for the bride at all. That comes for them after the wedding. It's after the I do, they continue to ask, do you? Do you really love me? Do you really think I'm beautiful? Do you really want to be married to me? You know, and, and there's just this struggle that they go through from that moment on. And partly because the man went to provide and the woman's kind of left like, wait, where'd you, where's the romance? You know, <laughs> it's like, where'd that go? And so there's a difficulty, and I think that that also translates into our Christian experience. And I think sometimes, as a Christian, we we have two different experiences. One is, God, where are you when I needed you the most? And the other one is, I must have done something to disappoint God. I I don't know what I did, but I, I know that, man, God must be mad at me because I don't feel like he's with me anymore. And we go through these moments of difficulty and doubt. And that's the, the, the struggle that we all have at times when it comes to our Christian walk. And today we're going to be looking at that in in-depth as we look at Luke chapter 7. So if you're able, will you stand with me? Luke chapter 7, verse 18 through 35 is where we're at today. Luke by the Holy Spirit records, then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And that hour he cured many infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things that you have seen and heard, that the blind see... The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And when the messengers of John had departed, he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. What did you go into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who are gorgeously appareled and live in luxury are in king's courts. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not greater a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And when all the people heard him, even the tax collectors justified God, having been baptized with the baptism of John, But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. And the Lord said, to what shall I liken the men of this generation? And what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another, saying, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned to you and you did not weep. For for John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, (laughs) he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, you say, Look, a glutton and a wine bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is justified by all her children. And Father, we thank you for this passage that we look at today, Lord. May it transform our lives, Lord, as we consider who we are, Lord, in light of you and all that you say. I pray that you would help us to look at you in in a new and fresh light, and that the things that you say specifically would have their impact within our hearts and in our minds, and in our lives, Lord. That by virtue of this passage that we're looking at today, that we would live differently. That we would have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us as a church, as a a Christian. That we would have minds to follow you, Lord. And that we would have hearts open to what you have. Fill us with your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I always love going through the Gospels. Because there's something about the red letters, you know, when we're reading what Jesus said, it, it, it's impacting to us. In fact, I think more impacting to us, but it's also more challenging to us. I don't know if you've discovered that, but, you know, going through the Sermon on the Plain and the other things that we've been going through, when Jesus speaks you know his soft word breaks a bone <laughs> you know doesn't it i mean it's like wow these are things that i have to really consider and and so a lot of weight to the things that jesus is saying here and to the situation that that we find ourselves in and and so last time jesus after the Sermon on the Plain, he preached that very difficult sermon that we went through. The Sermon on the Plain, challenging us in, in the way that we behave, and 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 by the way we treat our enemy is the way that the Lord's gonna treat us. You know, those are the things that he talked about, you know, loving our enemies, doing good to our enemies, forgiving our enemies, those types of things. And and then as he went towards Capernaum, he Healed the centurion's son, and it was a long distance healing, you know, one of those types of things. You know, they came and he was gonna go to the house, and he said, You know, you don't need to come to my house, just say the word and it'll be done. And he's like, Okay, and, and then it happened over there, you know. It's just so cool. And then and then he's with his crowd and his disciples, and they're all they head down south, quite a ways actually, to the city of Nain. And Nain, remember, was the farthest south. A city in in Galilee. It's very far south. It's the last city you would go through on your way to Judea. And so you go through there and you skip Samaria and you go through that that pinpoint corner of the of Galilee and you go around down to Judea. And remember, when Jesus was heading into the city of Nain, he met another crowd. He had his crowd, a crowd following the Savior, and another crowd following a casket. And in the casket was the only son of a widow who was behind the casket mourning. And, of course, Jesus, as he did with every funeral that he attended, he ruined the funeral. He talks to the man, young man, arise, and he gets out, of, you know, sits up, and everybody's freaked out, and fear falls upon everyone, and he gives the man back to his mother. And, and then it tells us, the last we read, it tells us that these things spread throughout all Judea. And that's kind of setting the context for what we're looking at today. Because when that word got down to Judea, it got down to the Marcionian prison where John the Baptist was being held by Herod Agrippa. Now you remember, if if you've studied the Bible, that Herod Agrippa, and it talked about this earlier on in the Gospel of Luke, Herod Agrippa had taken John and put him in prison, wanting to kill him but being afraid of the Jews, so he didn't. He put him in prison because he had He had confronted him about the immoral relationship that Agrippa was having with his brother's wife. He basically stole his brother's wife, Herodias, and and so now she's his wife. Just a real twisted mess of a soap opera type of a thing. What's interesting about this, and, and you know, I think probably as growing up, I wondered, I was like, why did John the Baptist care what the, the political leaders were doing? Well, the thing was, is that Agrippa, excuse me, not Agrippa, Antipas. It was Antipas. I'm, I get those Herods. There's too many, and you get them all confused. This is the other brother? That it was Antipas. Antipas was a Jew, and and we don't necessarily think of the Herods as Jews. Of course, King Herod the Great was an Idumean, but he married a Jew woman, and he had sons, and those sons married Jewish women, and they had sons, and that was, you know, th- those those boys all were Jewish. How do you know you're Jewish? Does anybody know what the rule is for knowing you're Jewish? Anybody? If your mother was a Jew.
0: Thanks again for listening to Abide in Truth with Pastor Mike Hughes. If you would like a copy of today's sermon in its entirety,